Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Drew Noel, uh, head of GTM operations and advisory here at Nightkudu, bringing you the Marketing Ops Confessions podcast by Madkudu today. Very excited to have everybody uh, listening and super stoked to have Richard Wasilinchuk actually coming to us uh, and, and sharing some of his insights as a revenue operations leader. Uh, just most recently at Tugboat, Tugboat Logic and also at Vizier. Um, Richard, welcome. Super stoked to have you. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Super stoked to be here. Killer. Awesome. So, uh, you know, I think both of us have a shared perspective, you know, as we, we were kind of prepping for this session, I wanted to really hit on the relationship between marketing ops, revenue operations, uh, and, you know, for lack of a better term, even though it may be hackneyed, the synergies that exist between them. So uh, one of, you know, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to Topher on that one and just, you know, do, do a little bit of synergy. Um, but uh, wanted to, you know, first off, hear your perspective in terms of the relationship between marketing ops, revenue operations, and then also really talk about how we organize people, processes, and technologies uh, around how to get the most out of a full GTM operations, uh, you know, organization, playbook, et cetera, um, and hear your perspectives on that today. Sound like a plan? Yeah, sounds good. Killer. All right, great. Well, first off, I mean, you know, tell us, Tell us kind of what you've seen in terms of your uh, move from marketing ops to revenue ops and also, or, you know, in the various iterations therein, maybe GTM operations overall. Um, would love to hear your thoughts about how that journey has progressed um, and what you've overall learned from it. And I think that'll shape uh, our ongoing conversation today. Yeah, I know that's great. I mean, I've um, so my my background really is in in marketing. I spent a number of years in demand gen, um, and then marketing auto automate or marketing operations, and then uh, made my way into revenue operations. Um, I, I would say, you know, the things that I've seen is everybody is really doing it a bit different. Uh, there there are a number of different approaches to revenue operations, to marketing operations. Um, depending on stage of growth, size of company, complexity of the business. Um, I, I really think that, uh, and I was, I've been thinking about it a lot as we've been prepping and, and really my, my vision uh, personally and the way I think both marketing ops and revenue operations, they, they share the fundamental fact that they are strategic um, units inside of a business and they are um, strategic in that they help define, enable, and, and measure your go-to-market strategy. Um, that is collectively uh, both sales and marketing and CS um, and really spans across the entire organization. So when I spend a lot of time in marketing operations, that really was my drive is, is how do we set up the function to be strategic? So it's not didn't mention production work, didn't mention managing your, your map. Um, it really is how do you help the business understand that go-to-market? Um, and same when I moved into uh, revenue operations, it really was looking at that full scale, full journey, um, and how do we define, enable, and, and measure that go-to-market strategy? I think all too often, um, you know, those operational units tend to fall back into different silos. So I've seen a lot of RevOps orgs that, 
you know, are tightly focused on the sales funnel, uh, whatever is closest to revenue, deal desk, commissions, territory planning, um, and they they are challenged getting out of that box into the full funnel. So getting a little bit further upstream um, in marketing operations. And then I've seen marketing operations have trouble trying to get downstream uh, closer to things like renewals and such. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's a funny thing because I, uh, you know, of course, started my career in uh, demand generation, like corporate marketing, uh, traditional like marketing, and even direct uh, advertising actually. And then it was it's interesting like to see the the traction that operations really was able to give to those various campaigns that I was running at the time, and and I could see that you know I think this is a I think maybe let's just jump directly to maybe the devil's advocate discussion, right? Is, you know, do we see that in the current marketing ops landscape, the revenue ops landscape, that maybe people are too disconnected from the actual groups that they're serving? You know, that that maybe in revenue operations, sometimes you have somebody who's, you know, never done sales or never done like a BDR, SDR role um or in marketing operations like they don't have a lot of you know direct uh interaction or reality with the day-to-day -day executional aspects of campaign work um and also like media buying and and you know things of that nature do you feel like that's one thing that we really need to you know bring back into marketing operations or revenue operations um, so that you know they can have a better appreciation for really what the end goal that it is that we're trying to facilitate and measure yeah that's a that's a really good question i mean i you know when I hire and uh, in my roles, um, I'm always looking for people who are naturally curious and want to go digging around and, and understand the business better. Um, I'm a firm believer that if, if you haven't actually done it, it's really hard for you to, um, to really have that depth of knowledge to be that strategic player. So, uh, you know, in my experience, I've, I come from demand gen, I've had inside sales report to me as well. So, you know, I, I sort of understand, you know, a, a big part of the funnel. Some of the gaps that I have are a little bit on the CS and renewal side, but um, I, I do think that, um, you know, to be that strategic player um, as an operations function, you do have to have that, that close connection to those functional areas. So um, you do need to understand the inner workings of the demand gen campaign to be able to again help influence and define what that might be enable it through your tech and in your processes and then be able to to help measure that to provide insights to the business similar uh you know on the sales side right we need to understand um how sales is going to to market how they're prospecting um and and how do we help facilitate um all of their their uh you know orchestration through through tech and and processing people no absolutely it's it, it it's awesome it's it it's an interesting point and i think I've, I've heard interesting ideas from various other guests we've had on the show you know talking about you know how you can 
potentially shadow individuals, you know, in different areas or, you know, as part of the onboarding process for the operations team to really think about, you know, how how they interact with those individuals on the direct go-to-market team um, so that they can more effectively support them. I, I think there's a lot of interesting creative ideas that, it, that we've heard around yeah. shadowing, sort of like semi-internships, et cetera. But yeah. Um, yeah, transitioning on that point, I think, you know, one thing that I think you, you brought up is really making sure that you have the ability to support the overall go-to-market strategy. And I think from an operations perspective, I mean, we look at people, processes, and technologies in terms of those structures and the things that you're putting in place uh, as a revenue operations leader. Do you feel which of those particular underpinnings are most important to get in place first and also depending on you know of course what stage of you know company you're at uh what you know particular budgets or complement you have in terms of those those three components it's always going to be different but in terms of your recent successes what are some of the things that you've seen be especially effective in terms of setting the priority and establishing those those components yeah, that that that's a good one because I think a, a lot of what um, what's happening with RevOps marketing ops is um, there seems to be a lot of confusion outside of those those pillars um, in organizations of of really what they mean. What is it? How do I wrap my head around it? Um, you know, my my favorite game is you know ask somebody in my family what I do for a living, and it you know the head scratching starts. It's like well. Uh, 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 um, but I think really the, the fundamental um, thing that you, you do need to do off the bat is set up a charter. So um, when when I was at Vizio, I was there for eight and a half years, again, come, came through marketing and marketing operations and uh, was given the opportunity to, to start a function, a RevOps function. And so the critical piece there was setting up a charter. So really understanding what the, the function was going to be doing. Uh, what the interlocks were uh, between other areas of the organization, um, who we would be interacting and serving, um, what we would be building and what we would be measuring against. Um, and that was really critical. And even um, like it was super helpful in understanding the vision for RevOps. And what we did is we were trying to have a centralized function. So we had a RevOps charter that was overarching um, and then under underneath me that the team was broken into functional areas. So we had a charter for marketing operations, sales, CS, um, as well as, as our tech even. Uh, so it was very clear. And then, uh, you know, one of the things that I think uh, a lot of us operational people forget is you have to sell that vision internally consistently. So it's not like, hey, here's our charter, away we go. Um, you have to keep circling back to say, actually, this is what the function is. This is what it represents. Um, and again, making sure that you're spending a, a good portion of your time um, selling that vision internally. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's uh, you know, it's one thing that we work with with customers a lot on is the continued enablement aspect, um, right? I mean, around scoring, around. Um, processes that are in place around feedback loops and, you know, that ongoing interaction between sales and marketing and making sure that they actually understand what the other is doing and what the definitions are and 
and all of those various things. And I think it's such an interesting operational cadence that, you know, reinforces those charters, right? Like, you know, really making sure that those are being revisited on a regular basis, you know, putting them in front of people again. Um, and sometimes it, it can seem, you know, maybe, you know, as, as we kind of were prepping for our, our session today, and we had a, we had a bit of a conversation about maybe the most boring things to do in, uh, in, in operations or in, in marketing and sales, but, you know, at the same time, you know, I think that is one that comes across as like, oh God, here it comes again. Like, you know, yeah, you're going to tell me like, this is your charter or this is your mandate. This is what you do and you don't do and like, whatever. Okay. Yeah. I know what your KPIs are, but what's so fascinating is that, you know, just being, you know, full disclosure on that point here, at, here at Magkidu, um, we had a funny thing happen yesterday where one of my C-level execs and, and myself, we were like, hashing something out actually for a sales mid-year that we're doing and it turned out that like one of our like my team's primary kpi was actually not understood by this exec at all <laughs> and he was like well and and then i realized like no wonder every time we have a conversation like you kind of are suspicious of like why i'm talking about this thing and and then when we clarified it, it was fascinating because it finally came down to the fact that like, oh yeah, I just had a completely different definition for what that was. And that's something that, you know, I was like, all right, well, good. Well, when we go into that that presentation, I'm gonna make sure that we fully define that one more time and put in, put it in front of everybody so that everybody knows what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um on on that point, I I wanted to drill into I think this is a, a point of you know contention, and I think in terms of the the expansion and I mean for again maybe lack of a better term like the public relations of ops in general is you know that aspect of the charter of what you do versus what you don't do. How do you really like frame that in an effective way that there's a service-minded approach without, you know, being considered, you know, passive or a pushover, right? Like in yeah. terms of how you service the organization. Yeah, I know that's a really good, good question. Um, and I, you know, when I've run my teams uh, in the past, I've always, I've always tried to install um, the attitude that it, there's never a, a hard no, it's always a negotiation. So um, what you want to do is you want to balance uh, being caught as just a service center and you want to balance it with, um, you know, having that, that strategic partnership with the business. So there's a couple of things that I do um, and that I've set my teams up in the past that have been super helpful with that. Um, one, I want to make sure and I always say to my team, like at the end of the year, you've got a bullet or two to put on your resume. So we want to make sure that like we've got at least 20% of that time that's looking at uh, more of those strategic or foundational programs that we're, we're um, building to help, help the business grow versus, you know, maybe the 80% of stuff that we have to do, which are things like production, data, you know, data fixes, um, all those sort of day-to-day -day, um, operational things that have to get done, uh, but making sure that, you know, you carve off that time to do some of those strategic projects. Um, and again, I, I think it kind of comes back again to selling. 
Um, there's a lot of, of work that goes on behind the scenes that people just don't understand that's going on. So it's, it's helping educate and people understand um, what's involved to keep everything up and running and drive the business. Um, so it's, it's really, you know, that education piece for people to understand what's going on. And then, you know, like, I think, um, you know, some of the things that I've, I've battled with the team in the past, um, particularly in marketing operations, right? Like you're serving a lot of different people across the board and everybody thinks that their project is, is the highest priority. So, um, in cases where you can give visibility into what that, that work looks like and the volume. So, you know, we've looked. Uh, you know, I've used t tools like Monday.com, Asana, whatever project management tool that you're looking um, at using to give a little bit of a, a, a nod into just what the volume is. Um, and then um, also having like a, a really strong and solid intake process with SLAs can help uh, get away from that, that, um, that service center mentality. And then what I like to do occasionally is, is um, communicate just exactly what's being done. So, you know, I think, uh, I think at one point at one of the, the orgs uh, that I was with, we were, uh, you know, we were deploying well over a million uh, emails a quarter. We, you know, built uh, i don't know so you're 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 kind of giving everybody an understanding just of the sheer volume of work that comes through so that when there is a little bit of a a, a squeeze on time that um you know there, there's a partnership versus you know I, I want my stuff done yeah i i really like that um similar experience myself at at hajikorp uh you know you know, there were definitely stakeholders that may have been louder than others, right? And then, you know, kind of like being like, okay, well, here's our cue, you know, and then if it was an exact too, like you kind of go like, hey, you know, totally understand you want that done. I think there's a lot of opportunity there in terms of it being a strategic project, you know, that of course warranted, you know, being given a higher level of escalation or higher level of priority, right? Then it's a point of, managing those things in the queue is there something that we can push out or can you know we hire or add additional headcount so that we excel we can accelerate some of these things um and also i think you know that that begs an interesting question and this is you know in our preliminary conversation i, I loved where we went with this and it's something that i think doesn't get discussed near enough in the op space is like really proving true roi for project right um, you know, without taking it to like a, a big brother or Machiavellian like level, <laughs> uh, but like really looking at like soft costing, looking at, you know, time to value, looking at uh, break even points and, and also, you know, the, the acceleration that various tools and processes um, can bring about, but based on the level of effort that's actually put into them as opposed to looking at, you know, the human aspect of an organization is almost like a sunk cost, right? Yeah. Um, so interested to hear, you know, some of your thoughts on that and kind of how you've managed, uh, you know, proving out those points in the past or discussing those points internally with, with the various teams you've worked with. Yeah. So uh, before I get into sort of how we did it with some of the tools in tech, I, I, I would I would um, say, you know, that was one of the big shifts that we did um, in marketing operations with my team 
is that intake process, right? So, you know, originally it was just like, here, I got a program I need built out. Uh, here's the assets, so forth. Um, and then flipping it for um, program managers to have to start to indicate what they thought that the impact would be. So both from, you know, early days, what kind of lead gen, MQL pipeline gen is coming from, um, from the program. So then, you know, when there is that negotiation, you can kind of look at things and say, hey, well, we think this is actually going to have bigger bang for the buck. Uh, maybe we downgrade some of the other programs, etc. But, um, you know, a lot of um, uh, what we did at Vizier really was starting to build out some of the attribution modeling, not, uh, not to get hung up on that ROI, but to give us an understanding of um, you know, what programs were impacting milestone positions, what was the sequencing events that we could understand, um, all with the lens of trying to increase velocity of the pipeline and, and improve conversion rates. But a lot of the things that, um, that we uncovered with, with um, our attribution modeling was uh, we had a, a particular blind spot in our uh, digital efforts uh, with First Touch. So attribution opened that up a lot for us to understand what was really going on at the top of the funnel, but then, um, you know, gave us a better understanding of where in the customer journey was a particular program having the most impact. So, you know, lots of debates before attribution, uh, events were pipeline generators. And, uh, you know, once we got, um, we were using visible, once we got that in place, started to look at the touchpoint data, we were finding that, well, they weren't pipeline generators, but they were velocity accelerators inside the sales funnel. So, you know, you could have made uh, some decisions, uh, we're, we're focused on pipeline, let's downgrade events. Um, and then you would have had downstream uh, negative impact on, on the sales funnel because you just weren't having that support. So it really helped um, uncover some of the upstream and downstream um, impacts on some of the programs we're having. So that helped us to, to sort of take better steps towards a, a return um, on marketing investment and really how we would prioritize some of the things we were doing. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's awesome. I mean, and I think it speaks to that point of having, you know, a, a well-rounded approach in, in between like looking from the demand gen side, looking even from like a very traditional brand marketing perspective, you know, that a lot of those campaigns that have touch points that, that, you know, if you're doing like a full influence approach, it'd be like, oh yeah, 95% of our funnel is like covered by, you know, this, these like, you know, field marketing events. Well, okay, fine. There's, 95% is like, there's a touch point, but you know, really like what are those touch points that, you know, as you said, are revenue accelerators. And also going back to the fact that many of those interactions, especially in B2B marketing are your biggest brand uh, marketing actions, right? Yeah. And that's always going to be important. And brand is what accelerates funnel, right? And yeah. I mean, it's funny to be like, you know, ops pros and being like, okay, yeah, brand. And like, people are like, wait, what? Like, like no, no, really. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it's it, some of the, the, I think that's, you know, one point of the Dow of ops as we become more and more organized is that you're, you're going to see various things 
in your funnel and you're going to be tracking various things in your funnel that if you were to follow the statistic 100% that that might actually undercut your overall profitability acceleration growth as a business yeah. um you know you need to continue to factor in the human element you need to con continue to factor in the creative element and yeah. also those those things that are intangible um and and i think that that's that's really a point of balance that i think we could both encourage like all uh ops people to keep in mind yeah, and I, you know, I did mention attribution, and I know it's a hot topic, and and so I, I want to put the caveat in that like attribution is not a silver bullet. It's not that you implement something, and, oh, now it gives you all the answers that you're going to be able to uh, figure out what to do. Um, I would say there there is still very much an art and a science to it. So uh, yes, it gives you some data points that can help inform some of the decisions, but you have to be very thoughtful about what you're seeing in your data. Um, and, and yeah, like the whole conversation, um, that we had internally was having better definition around what your programs were, were, um, targeting from an objective standpoint. So in that case with events, you know, we know that events are in hundred percent demand gen, right? There may be a component of brand. So when we were starting to think through things like return on, on marketing investment, were we going to say, you know, our largest trade show we knew wasn't a demand generator, but it was a huge brand builder, right? So are we going to say 60% of it, 70% of it is, is, is going to go towards brand building versus 30, 40 demand gen. And then that helps you kind of understand objectives as well. And, and what the, um, the outcomes are going to be for the business, um, to then manage some of those, uh, executive expectations. Right. I mean, the, the number of times it's like, wow, we went to that massive trade show and spent a ton of money on it. Like, where's the pipeline? It's like, well, there's more to it than, than just pipelines. So you have to balance both of those, those objectives and, and how you're uh, communicating the results of, of those types of programs. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it maybe even speaks to, you know, the follow-up programs and efforts involved as well. And I think, yeah. you know, that's sort of that, that point of it. And I feel like, nobody truly owns that yet you know I, i'm gonna i'm gonna drop that as like sort of a hot take is yeah. like is that owned by sales is it owned by marketing is it you know it depends on the organization like sometimes you see you know marketing having a very heavy influence in terms of the exact content or follow-up strategies um but then also you know if you have somebody who's a program manager and is saying like yeah well i do events so like i'm gonna make sure that there's like 17 steps of follow-up for every single person who gets scanned at a trade show booth. It's like, mm, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> yeah. So, and it's funny because I mean, I think, you know, attribution being the cousin of data-driven uh, uh, scoring, right? I mean, it's, they're yeah. very closely related. In fact, I mean, I, I've had countless times where people are like, well, can we just like use, you know, mad kudu models to also do attribution is like, well, we don't really do that because we aren't actually tracking all of your touch points. And, you know, there are better solutions for that as well. Um, but, you know, it is interesting to look at, you know, those two things in relationship to each other and see how they can inform each other. Um, I think from your experience, I mean, what has worked the best 
um, in terms of like owning that sort of interim piece in terms of follow-up also what oh, are the yeah. ways in which that can be most effectively uh, organized you know and i i think also like where i'd like to go after this is to probably bridge that conversation into the members of the team that you have in place and their technical specialties and skill sets that really help facilitate a cohesive go-to-market operations uh, strategy. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if, if I'm thinking about sort of the sequencing of, of your marketing programs to generate demand, I think that the challenge, um, at least, um, you know, in teams or organizations that I've been in, is there, there hasn't been, um, or there's been that challenge to really uh, build a team that is truly multi-channel integrated campaign uh, motions or orchestration. So you get a lot of um, you get a lot of organizations that are early in growth that are like, we just need to get the the programs, the channels set up uh, so they're up and running. And there's not a lot of thought um, going through like, what is that sequencing of events? So you know something like visible with attribution we understood like about 10 touches from marketing uh before we're going to yield pipeline so everybody needs to start thinking collectively it's not like i ran an event and i did 10 follow-ups after the event to get my pipeline right you have to start thinking through like what are you throwing to next right um and you know that uh i was reading a book i think it was the the next generation cmo that plana put out um, and there was um, a, a section in there about, you know, a campaign manager um, and how that's kind of kind of disappeared, but maybe it needs to come back. And what does that look like? And it really is, um, you know, somebody who is managing the budgeting, the mix, the resource allocation uh, for a campaign, maybe not necessarily the tactical elements. And I think that's where a lot of companies maybe are, are having the challenges is they're thinking that your channel manager is the one that's actually thinking about the mix and uh, the budgeting from a, a larger campaign standpoint. And I think that's where, where a lot of the misses are happening. Um, and I think that also causes a little bit of friction from uh, an operation standpoint, right? Where, uh, you know, the teams that I've run in the past are looking at the mix, the sequencing, and trying to push those insights up. And that creates a lot of friction if the rest of the marketing org isn't really thinking that way. So, you know, I'm running my event and I understand that my event has to yield a certain amount of pipeline, um, but I did my event, <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, your operations team is coming back and saying, hey, here's how much data was engaged, here's where it went next, uh, but it's really hard to kind of get everybody um, moving along in the same direction. It's a bit of, of hurting the cats from an ops perspective, if if it's not happening um, in, in the other areas of marketing. No, absolutely. Yeah, I actually have, uh, I, I mean, I'm probably gonna date myself right now, but there was a fantastic, um, there was a fantastic uh, Super Bowl ad back in the day, which was, uh, you know, specifically about herding cats yeah. Uh, and we, we actually took a couple screenshots from that. We have in, internal uh, uh, Slack Slack yeah. emojis, uh, you yeah. know, dedicated to that that uh, <laughs> Super Bowl spot. So pr pretty great stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think on that on that note, the um, the point of the ideal mix 
uh, you know, and, and maybe we're speaking out of turn here, but I'll risk that. I mean, it's it's marketing ops confessions after over after all. Um, do you feel like the the resiliency, if you will, or the flexibility of marketers in general has maybe become somewhat ossified or brittle in terms of the sort of channel dedicated approach that some of them have, you know, they, are, they, are they overly specialized? Are we, you know, and I think this also, you know, speaks that we could turn the mirror on ourselves, you know, from an ops perspective, I think that speaks to like, you know, being too focused on one platform or another or one technology or another. How do we really start to think about all of these things from a more reflexive perspective and and make sure that you know we can bridge from one set of tools to another and like think about it in terms of maybe more the people, the talent, the general process instead of just like, oh yeah, I know where the button is for that thing or yeah. I know how to specifically execute this type of formula um, across my go-to-market actions. Yeah, I think, uh, so So two points that I, I would uh, touch on. So like the first, um, you know, I, when I was at Vizier, I was there for eight and a half years, which is a long time. And, and different tools uh, or platforms suit the business at different stages. So I think, you know, for me, that was a really good eye-opener to understand um, that journey, right? And to be uh, a little bit more agnostic in, in the approach to technology and, and always looking to um, evaluate, refine, consolidate, uh, whatever you need to do to make sure that things are running efficiently in that engine. Uh, but I think, you know, I still think if I kind of circle back to, you know, operations helping to, to define, enable, and, and measure that go-to-market strategy, I think why things are getting so brittle is companies are not letting things sit long enough to really understand if the impact is, is um, fruitful. So a lot of companies are making very quick decisions to change strategy. Um, and I think when you get into a lot of that constant change, um, people in general are, are less open to going into areas that they're unfamiliar with or that, that make them vulnerable. So I, I find that um, if you're if you have people on the team that really just aren't experienced or open to dealing with that constant change, they'll retreat. And so what happens is when your your go-to-market is moving and that strategy is continuing to change, people will retreat back into their channels and they're like, okay, this is my safe space of events or field marketing or digital or what have you. And I'm just gonna make sure that my stuff is good to protect myself. So I think yeah. it's um and again, I think that that leans back to constantly being proactive in trying to sell and and have leadership really understand, um, you know, what the impact is of that constant change. But then also, you know, when you're changing strategy, having that that thoughtful approach to say, listen, you're going like, I don't know how many times it's like, hey, we're going to launch this next week. Uh, the week after, it's like, how much pipeline and where are the leads? It's like. It, it, it doesn't happen that way, right? Like, so so helping the business understand and being that strategic partner to say, okay, like we're going to launch something next week. Like, 
realistically, we've got three to six months before we need this in market. Um, we're selling into large scale enterprise three to six months to really kind of understand a benchmark or a baseline of, of what the impact might be. It's a tricky conversation to have because uh, obviously leaders want the instant payoff. But I think, you know, having that approach for, for people to understand that, you know, there is time in market that's needed um and that that constant change can really be disruptive in trying to execute on that full um integrated multi-channel approach absolutely um so richard like just to summarize some of the takeaways from today's conversation uh i mean first off i think the big the big keystone is uh communicate you know yes. that's that's the first thing let's let's make sure that you know as ops professionals we continue to communicate we continue to surface those things and make sure that you know i think the next point is uh really understanding our charter but also facilitating that and and being willing to be flexible around that charter and continue to redefine that charter with the rest of the organization i think that's that's a huge point and something that you know is a is a great cornerstone you know for people to take away um Next is you really try to think about you know the, the overall go-to-market strategy and not necessarily get bogged down into like this is the safe space or this is my comfort zone in terms of execution and then also being willing to to have that ongoing dialogue with people who may oversimplify the the go-to-market aspect or the specific outcomes they expect from their various campaigns and programs, um, you know. So heard all of those things from you, and wanted to just uh, you know kick it back to you uh, beyond a thank you. If there's any particular point that you'd like to you know reinforce or end on today, yeah, I think um, you know dovetailing on the constant communication. I think um, I think collectively all ops professionals can do a lot more to celebrate like the the successes and the good things that are, are are being done so it's not always that hard push to sell what we're trying to do but actually to say hey you know nobody really looks at the stuff back here but it's it's pretty cool what we're doing and there's a lot of innovation that's happening um in in both mops and RevOps um that i think needs to to be surfaced it's a it's a cool profession. It's a great place to be in, a, in an organization. I love it. So I think you know, just celebrating a little bit more would be would be great as well. Oh, awesome. Well, I, I will say on that note, uh, Richard, total celebration to just have been here with you today. Like you know, celebrating that. Uh, yeah. Thank you again. Um, thanks to our audience. I really appreciate everybody jumping on. Uh, Richard Wasilinchuk. Uh, RevOps, RevOps leader, uh, really, really appreciate it today. And uh, thanks everybody for listening to Marketing Ops Confessions brought to you by Mad Kudu. Uh, I'm Drina Well, uh, looking forward to speaking with you and also like sharing additional guests with you wherever you uh, get your podcasts uh, in the future. Uh, Richard, thanks again. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much.